This podcast features discussions about finances and money, which are general in nature. For personal advice specific to your circumstances, see a licensed financial planner or relevant qualified professional. Hey folks, welcome along to another episode of the Money Mechanics podcast where we are looking under the hood and unpacking the money stuff. Today, uh, we're going on another little bit of an adventure. I've got uh, one of our prior guests, Ara Jensen, who is a journalist extraordinaire and also a fellow podcaster. And I've asked Ara back to uh, have a bit of a chat around cash flow and I guess um, handing over to Ara to let let her interview me and um, have a bit of a discussion around how we can set our cash flow framework in place. Good time of year. We're, we're running into a, into a new year. Also, the silly season happening around us at the moment. So opportune time to be talking about this stuff. Welcome back, Ara. Oh, thanks for having me, Scott. I think uh, it's fun to be able to put on my journalist hat and talk to someone about uh, something interesting and also something I think an issue that there is definitely a part of the population that don't understand how this works. And it's taken me a long time to figure it out. So I'm kind of keen to hear what you have to say about it. Fabulous, fabulous. Again, as a returning guest, I'm going to ask you before I I totally hand over, but have you got a a happy recent money memory that you're happy to share? Okay. So my recent money memory is that I donated some money. Not that I made some, but I gave some away. Love it. I feel happy to have done that. And also, you know, it was equally a little bit of a stretch. So I think it was, you know, yeah, I feel feel happy without feeling self-satisfied about it. Yeah, great. And and who who did you end up donating the money to? Am I allowed to am I allowed to talk about your friends? Oh, you can talk about all all my friends. So I did it through uh, Seedling. Oh, Kylie Wallace and her company. Fantastic. That is, and for people listening, if you if you want to go back and have a listen to episode seven in the, in the current series, that's a, a great. Uh, Great episode. So did you yeah, find the process? Are you donating to anybody in particular or is it just some general uh, high-level uh, donations at this stage? Yeah, I guess, look, my, my plan was to, because as you know, uh, music and literacy are two of my really big passions and I wanted to make sure that, or I wanted to find uh, a not-for-profit or a charity group or some kind of group that worked in those spaces rather than giving to, I guess, the super big notable people um and I also felt that uh for what I did have to donate I didn't just want it to go into a massive pot somewhere and kind of not get forgotten but just not be maybe of as good use so yeah so they uh came up with some really wonderful options and I picked one the other thing that I did which I felt that I was able to do because I couldn't uh give a lot of money I also offered the group some pro bono time to be able to help them out in from a comms and writing space, which if, you know, if they want to take it up, they're welcome to do so. And I felt like that was that was kind of a way to give them more, but not have necessarily have the cash to give them more. Yeah. And, and look, that time is often as important and as valuable for, for organizations. So um, well done you. That's, that is a great. I love that. 
Well, I guess I should uh, should formally handball the episode All and the right. controls over to you um, at this stage. Oh, my gosh. Are you starting to sweat? <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> so, obviously, we're talking about cash flow. I have sometimes in the past found that uh, a little bit complex as someone who runs their own business. But I guess let's start with, can you roughly explain what cash flow is for people? Great question. I often just say to people that the cash flow is one of the foundation stones to your money framework because you've got to have a really good understanding of what's coming in and what's going out. And so especially if you're in accumulation phase, so if you're out working and you've got money that you're earning on the day-to-day, the cash flow piece is really about, okay, what are you earning? What's coming in? And then where is it going? How much is it costing to be you? and, And where is it flowing to? When you're in retirement phase, it is a very different mindset shift. So we, we go from accumulating the cash and building it up to then spending the cash. And so if you're not working, um, it's a very big shift to actually go, oh, now I'm eating into potentially some of the investment that I've accumulated over my, my lifetime. So the importance of cash flow is just that understanding of, of what's coming in and then where it's going. And obviously, if you don't understand those two things, you're either standing, you know, in a shop spending way beyond your means and then suddenly wondering how at the end of the week or the month you've got nothing to show for it. How do you get mindful about that? Because I think for for a lot of people, just facing their money is a big deal or facing their cash flow is a big deal. Mm, I think it's it's a gently, gently approach, but it's also about investing the time to do it. A lot of the time we, we, we are busy, we've got all these other competing demands, but actually creating some space, setting up some time to actually have a look at it properly and go, okay, where are the money uh, elements in my life coming in? And then where is it actually going at the end of the day? And And look, thankfully, some of our internet banking is now quite uh, impressive. I think there's a lot more AI and, and other things going on in the background. But if you log into your internet banking, a lot of the time it will start to tell you where you've been spending money. So how much has it been going into bills? How much might be going into financial commitments? Mm. How much might then be going into Uber Eats or food or other other bits and pieces as we go? And then the, the probably hardest part of that is then just being really honest with where it's going. But as you say, if, if there are barriers coming up, it's often about then sitting down to do the work of, well, where are those barriers coming from? Why, why is this triggering uh, either inability to go there or why is it triggering not wanting to go there? And that can obviously be a huge stumbling block because certainly you want people to face their money, don't you? You want to be able to face what you're doing and how you're spending it. I guess you just have to, you you do, you just have to make a conscious choice that you want to know the same as, you know, you want to make sure that your car is running. So you put gas in it every month or every week or whatever, because if you don't do that, then you never have any notion of what's happening, right? Correct. And I think, yeah, it's that you don't want to put your head in the sand, so to speak, and go, oh yeah, hopefully it's going to be okay. And, And look, a lot of people do run their their cash flow like that. It's that, that ad hoc approach yeah. and going, yeah, okay, hopefully it's going to be all right and ride out the peaks and the troughs. But again, I think that that mindfulness and being aware of it might feel a little bit scary at first, but it's really then just about building that out the framework. So you go, right, I, I feel more confident, more empowered and, and probably more known when you're actually out spending money so that you're not then spending the money and turning around the next minute and feeling a wave of guilt or uncertainty or, oh, should I have done this? Because at the end of the day, 
money, it's an energy, it's a flow in life as well. And it should actually bring us joy. Like for the most part, it should be we go out, we earn the money or, or the money's come to us. And so do we actually get that that nice feeling as well as probably some of the stresses that, that, that might come in as well? And I think for a lot of people, that's the part they forget because I think money is such a loaded subject and such a distressing subject for many people. And to be able to give it maybe either a little bit more neutrality or to move it into that joy space would probably help a lot of people. Thinking about cash flow and budgeting, a lot of people feel like it's sort of like going on a diet. But, you know, from all the things that you've said and everything I've ever heard you say, you kind of tend to treat it a lot less, well, with a lot more fun and a lot less distress than feeling like somebody's going on a diet. Yeah, and and look, diets can be great, but they are often short-lived. And so it's more around having a a framework or a game plan. And so at the end of the day, that that framework or that game plan is actually just about then stepping through and saying, okay, this is how I'm going to be spending money. This is how I want to treat it and honor it and uh, and use it in my life. And everybody's going to do that differently, right? Exactly right. And I mean, there's there's some great books out there. Ramit said he has a book called uh, I'll Teach You To Be Rich. And he often talks about living your rich life and, and spending money unashamedly on the things that are important to you. And, and I sort of like that. I like being people being able to uh, a budget or a cash flow plan or a framework shouldn't be too restrictive. So Sure, there's going to be a reality to it. So again, if you're earning a a set amount of money, then it's about working within those parameters. If you want to upscale your lifestyle, then it's going to be about saying, right, okay, how do you then bring more money into your life to dial that up? We often say that there's a, a thing in this world called chronic not enoughness. And, and look, we've, we've just come through uh, all the, the Black Friday sales and all those sort of things that have been happening. And uh, they feel like they're bigger this year from, from my perspective. I think seeing all the sales and everything coming up, it feels like there's more and more marketing out there for us to say, hey, spend your money here, do this. Remembering that that marketing force is that that energy to say, oh, you haven't got enough or you need this newest gadget or thing or go and buy more stuff. And so it's really just about reflecting back on that and going, well, how much is enough? Because some of that stuff, I don't know, you, you buy a new T-shirt and depending on the quality of it, it's, it's not going to last you a lifetime. But how many new T-shirts do you need? Exactly. And I think that enoughness is, is, a, is almost a wonderful way to approach your cash flow, because I look, you know, I was looking at some of the Black Friday stuff too. And one of the things was that, you know, my local supermarket had, you know, massive sales on. And it was saying, buy three bags of apples for, you know, less than rather than just one bag. Now that was, I think, about 20 odd apples. And I'm thinking to myself, if I bought all those, would I actually be able to eat them? And while it seemed like a bargain, I kind of went, hmm. Maybe then half of them would go off before I'd even get to them or I'd have to spend an entire week doing everything that I could with apples in order for it to work. Preserved apples for everybody. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And apple pies and stewed apples and everything I could think of. But no, I I like what you're saying. I think if if you're conscious about what you're spending, then obviously, like you say, it's not going to feel like a diet. And if you're going out and going, okay, I'm consciously going out to find a new shirt and use that as an example, then I'd like to think you're going to make a smarter purchase, right? Then, then, you know, and why shouldn't you live your life? You work hard. Most people work hard for your money. 
and they don't necessarily get the equitable amount of joy. Mm. It's aligning it to what's important to you. So again, for some people, the latest latest fashion or, or latest clothes are important. And so I often didn't say to those people, well, okay, think about it in the context of something in, something out. So if you're, if you're buying the new, the new clothes then, um, and that's a weekly expense for you, then think about ways that you can actually generate some income through either eBay or, or even look at some of the, there's so many like spend nothing groups and, and all those other things that are around that you can actually start to go, Oh, actually, do I need to? spend money and so there can be other creative ways of actually getting those new things without it being a a big stretch on the the actual cash flow or trying to neutralize the cost a little bit as well and one of the things that i notice you talk a lot about too is is the fact that being smart about your cash flow and your money doesn't actually go hand in hand with necessarily being a minimalist or holding things back for yourself your attitude seems to be if this is the way you want to live your life do it the best way and make some contributions to the universe at the same time. Yep. So, so true, Aaron. I think it's, it is. It's just spending the money on the stuff that's, that's really important to you. And look, I often say if you're doing your cash flow on your own or if you've got a partner involved, make sure you're having those open, honest chats about it. Like actually start talking about it. If you don't have a partner, talk to your besties about it. Actually say, hey, how do you do your cash flow? Oh, I've been listening to this stuff or I've been starting to, to be a bit more mindful about what, what I'm doing because it just creates, again, that that conversation. It creates a dynamic, but it also means that you've probably got values alignment then. So if you're on a savings mission or you're trying to save a bit more money, it's then about potentially changing behavior. So if it's always, oh, I only ever catch up with, with these people if I end up going to a, a fancy restaurant or to a bar or to a pub or whatever it might be, and then we end up spending more money than we thought we were going to, it might be about then changing that up and going, oh, actually, let's catch up and go for a walk around our, our favorite park or go and have a picnic in the park where we've got a bit more control over what we're um, spending or what we're taking along um, to that experience. So, yeah, it's it's just bringing people along uh, for the journey as well, often say. And I think, you know, your friends, obviously, or the people around you can give you energy to help you, to help you do what it is that you're trying to do. And, but I think also too, if you don't say anything, it's one of those, you know, it's a little bit like other subjects that you're, you know, not supposed to talk about. And so it's nice that people are finally, um, you know, finally talking about it. I found it really interesting, for example, like in government, working in state government, everybody knows what everybody else is earning because it's written there and everybody's job description equates to money. Whereas when I worked in newspapers, you would never dare discuss it with anyone and nobody would tell you what they were earning, so you never had an idea. So there was no openness about it. Yeah, it's fascinating on that front as well, isn't it? Because it, it is one of those taboo subjects. Like I think people would much rather talk about religion, sex and politics than they will about money, which again, shocks me. Like, let's talk about everything. But but it is, it's that, it's that thing you've got to actually be able to have those open, honest conversations. And especially again, if you do have a partner that you're trying to share money with, having that conversation as well, because we're human beings, we're born into this financial system and we all develop different habits, attitudes, and behaviors around it. And so 
when we partner, often we do partner with people that have got slightly different uh, money habits or money attitudes. And so um, that whole opposites attract thing is often the reality. And so it's more about not saying my way is right. It's more about the curiosity of going, well, how have you done money? What did you learn from your family of origin? Okay, let's have a chat about this. Does that support us or does that trip us up a little bit? Where, where are we trying to go with this? So it's just having those, those open, honest chats, I think is important. I'm kind of smiling about that because I'm thinking, you know, being on your first date and going, right, what is your money theory? Tell me now before we go any further, because if we do and we don't match, it's never going to work. <laughs> That's so true, Ara. Like, and hopefully you go, oh, I've been listening to this great podcast. Um, you should check out this episode on. <laughs> yeah, send this person here. I do wonder, maybe there are people that approach it like that. I know, you know, I have friends in the US who tell me that you know, one of the first things you talk about on a date is whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Now, in Australia, yeah. that's almost not the first thing you would ever talk about. So I can't imagine money would necessarily come up particularly high on that front. Yeah, but maybe, look, maybe date number two or three as things starting to get a bit more serious. And look, if, if your values aren't totally aligned, that's never a danger sign. Like I've heard people say before, oh, look, if you don't, you've got to totally 100% align with your partner, but rubbish. You've got to have a, a connection with your partner, obviously, and, and have that, that nurtured and, and loving uh, approach with them. But it doesn't have to be 100% alignment. It's basically just being able to navigate some of that. And, and look, there's always going to be friction or, or conflict that might come up, but really just navigating how you, you approached it. I'm thinking that's a podcast for the future. That Scott gives money dating advice, when to talk about it and how to bring it up. I love it. I love it. Future episode. <laughs> Um, now tell us when uh, when you obviously are starting to look at your cash flow. Do you actually need to track every dollar and cent? I mean, I'd have to say personally that that sort of does remind me of you know calculating my calories a little bit. Yeah, look, and, and I'm not a big fan of of counting every dollar and cent. I've had clients over the years roll into my office and go, "Oh, Scott." And they're all excited about it. And I don't want to take the uh, the energy out of the room, but they'll go, oh, look, here's all our, our expenses. This is what we've been spending money on. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay, that's awesome. What are we tracking it against? Am I celebrating this with you because you, you said you're going to spend 50 grand and you only spent 40? Or am I berating you because you spent 60 grand and you're only supposed to be spending 50,000? It's always about a measure at the end of the day. So if you are a person who likes tracking their expenses and likes to actually know what's coming in, what's going out on the on the day-to-day, just make sure that you're tracking it against someone that, or something that you've actually got a, a mechanism there to say, okay, this is us on track or we're, we're going backwards the other way. How I prefer to do it is just, again, it's the envelope principle, but it's basically just having allocations into certain buckets. So I will have a bucket and, and look happy to send, uh, and I'll put a link on the, the show notes around our cash flow planner that we use, but basically having a weekly cash account. And I actually fill that, that bank account up every week. It, it allows you to go, right, what am I spending on entertainment? What are we spending on groceries? What are we spending on fuel? And basically you've then got that as your measure for the day. And so once that account's empty, it send the trigger to go, oh, stop spending money. Eat out of the pantry tonight. Actually do do something different. Don't go and dial in some uh, Uber Eats. Go and do it uh, a little bit differently. And so keeping it that way, I think, is a, a much nicer way of uh, running it as opposed to, as you say, tracking every time you spend $3.50 on a coffee or, or $5 on a whatever else it might be. Um, similarly with the, the bills account, having an account that you can just run all your, your direct debits out of or know what your, your big expenses are. And then lastly, the, the fun account is, uh, is the travel account or the holiday account. 
And again, often say that's a great account as a, as a new couple to basically test out together. I'm not a big fan of everybody mixing all their money together. Um, it can work well. I know Scott Pape, Barefoot Investor, he loves talking about, yep, join all your finances everywhere. I'm not as big a fan on that, that front. But what I say to people, again, having those open, honest conversations is important. But have your maybe separate bank accounts for the, the certain things that you've got because it gives you then that, that financial security and individuality as well. And I think those, that also comes back to allowing people in a relationship or otherwise to spend money on, on the things that are aligned with their values. Can you talk a little bit about that, about how, you know, how do you enjoy your money and align it with your values? Because I might tell you that, that, you know, that I want to be smart with my money, but I also, on the other hand, might, you know, spend way too much money on music and books for it to be good for me. Yeah, and, and look, it's all about doing it in that, again, that values framework. And so going, okay, what are what are the things that are important to you? And so if 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 knowledge and education or music or whatever it might be are, are important values that you want to go, right, want to be able to learn more and, and do those things, then it is just about also putting a bit of a framework around, okay, well, this is what I'm, I'm going to allocate to that as a as a spend. And so um, you might track that to a degree if you know that that's going to be your, your, your spending behavior. But again, it's not, it's about trying to spend in those areas without the guilt, with Without the worry of am I am I spending too much? You're right. You know, obviously, it has to be a bit of give and take. If you're going to invest all your money in, I don't know, maybe stamps or your hobby, then maybe it means you're not going to buy as many new pairs of shoes in a year. Mm. But if stamps are really your hobby, maybe that's what matters to you more than, you know, fashion shoes potentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so you might, yeah, as I say, yeah. you might, you might not buy as much on the on the clothing bucket, but you've you've then got the the hobby bucket being a bit higher to say, yep, these are the things that are important on the day to day. I guess the the biggest thing is really just that that discipline and accountability with your cash flow, because at the end of the day, you can transfer money. And I, I've spoke spoke to some clients uh, today about that, even just basically being up transferring money from the offset back into their spendings account and not having uh, agreement or not having a framework around that. And so it was causing friction and, and frustration for, for both of them, but just at different levels because they didn't have a, a game plan around it. And so they just get to the weekend and if they wanted to, to spend money on something rather than having the chat and saying, oh, actually we've, we've alloc- well, spent all our allocation to this at this stage, they just transfer more money back across from the, the offset account and go, oh, well, we've now got the money again. Let's go spend. And so it's really just then about pulling that apart and going, well, what is important and have we got realistic numbers around what you want to spend on entertainment or what you want to spend on these certain activities that, that might be important to you both? And particularly, obviously, at this time of the year is the time where people do overspend. Um, they spend on dumb things as much as they do on smart things. What are some of your tips for people around this time of the year to sort of to still keep it together, but to also have a bit of a good time? Yeah, well, and, and look, remember what it's all about. Like at the end of the day, it's usually about connection and spending time with people. Like what is the, the actual higher vision of, of doing this stuff? It's not that you you want to buy the, the amazing uh, glittery uh, Christmas uh, goods. It might be more around, okay, we want to spend quality time with, with friends or with family or with those people that we love in our life. Start with that and go, okay, well, what is that connectedness? What is the being able to spend time with them or be present with them? And so it might not involve actually buying presents. It might be more around experiences or, or other things that you can you can do 
again, if you've got adults in your life and you're still still spending a truck ton of money on on presents for them, it might be about resetting some of that stuff as well. Um, again, I'm not about not trying to be a Scrooge and say don't spend money on on presents, but it might be just about resetting that to say, well, actually, we're going to put a financial limit on it, or we're going to do a Chris Kringle instead of doing a, a present for every single adult in the in the family, just to really give the balance there. Think back to even our, our grandparents and, and how they used to do things. Like it could be about crafting or making gifts for people as well, uh, not just actually going out and buying stuff. Well, you know, I figure at the moment, given the price of things like tomatoes in the store, I reckon that finally legitimizes that as I could give someone three tomatoes as a present, given that they're now they're now expensive. But I love no, I love the idea of homemaking stuff. I think, especially at the moment when when things are the way they are, I think that's a a really nice touch. It's a simple thing. You can probably do it reasonably cheaply, and you know, and people get. I think it's nice to have homemade things like. You know, if I, because I'm not a, a pickler and a jam maker or anything, but when people give you those things that they've made, I think that's a really nice thing. And, you know, regards to, I guess, you know, those discussions around presents, I've actually just had conversations with my friends and said, hey, let's not do this. And they've been okay. You know, they haven't been offended either. So I think it's about mm. being honest about it too. Yep. Open, honest conversations and, and actually having the conversation so that you're not just all, buying presents and then going, oh, I hate having to do this. It's actually not about that. It's about the, again, connected time together and being able to, to share those. And same thing again with inflation. People are worried about cost of living going up. Interest rates are going up. So more money if you've got debt is now going to, to interest repayments. And so it is just changing, again, the mindset a little bit to go, okay, what are the, the important needs? But can I adjust some of the other wants around the edges? Like if you haven't reviewed your insurances recently, I, I rang my health insurance provider and managed to get a, a 12-week premium holiday because I've been a member for so long and rang them and said, hey, I'm going to cancel this policy. I'm paying too much. And they were able to, again, reduce the premium down a little bit, but also give me that three months of, uh, of premium uh, holiday so that, yeah, I'm getting some benefit out of that as well. So it's just taking the time to review all those expenses, especially those bills and uh, regular outgoings. They're great for cash flow of other businesses. Businesses love them. Netflix loves that he gets to charge everybody $19 a month. Great for their cash flow. And you never Not so good them. for yours. Exactly. If you're not using it, if you're not using it anymore, make sure that you're, you're getting value out of it. And I think from a presence perspective, you know, in terms of how you spend your money, you can make small things look really great or be better than they are if you just either take the time to wrap them nicely or do something like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you are overspending or if you find that there's money in there that you need to dial back a bit, it's then doing the once over to say, right, how do I either stop spending so much in these areas or are there other ways that I can start to, to dial up more income uh, in my life? Is it about the side hustle? People talk about side hustles all the time, but just getting some more more revenue or more income coming through as well. Now, you asked me at the beginning of this what a good money memory of mine recently was. I guess as a closing out for this, I'm going to ask you, what are your favorite songs around money? I found a couple. I want to know if you've got oh, a couple. I love songs around money. That's great. Money, money, money has got to be a, be a favorite, doesn't it? By ABBA. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I just went and saw ABBA, ABBA recently. I love it. <laughs> I, uh, what else did I pick? Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Uh, price oh. tag from Jesse J. Yes. Uh, if I had a million dollars from the bare naked ladies, and uh, one of my favorites, take the money and run 
uh, remix by Run DMC and Everlast. And of course, the great material girl, Madonna. Oh, yes. Living in the material. I love it. I love it. And I think it's important, like money, again, it, it makes the world go round. But there's so many values. Like if you look at those songs and you start to unpack what are the values or what's the story in this or what's the lesson to learn from this, I think. They're all different. Well, exactly. Um, and so that's one of the, the fabulous things, I think, in, I don't know, call it pop culture, call it music, call it expression of, of the human existence. Like. It's actually really fascinating that, yeah, there's those different stories or different messaging that, that comes through all that stuff. So I love it, Ara. That's a great great way to wrap today. I feel like we should take the same enthusiasm to money that we can take to great songs about money. Oh, that is so true. Look, that would uh, that would fill my uh, finance geek heart with, uh, with excitement as well. So, yeah, look, I think it can be one of those things that is often a, a big weight. And I think just the being able to sit back, being able to actually invest the time uh, to do it will actually give people greater peace of mind uh, in the long term. So with that, I guess we're going to wish everybody a happy holidays and uh, wish them what? Sensible spending, shall we say? Sensible and values-based spending for the, uh, for the silly season but um again good time to take note and just reflect and start to say okay what is my intention for the new financial year am i again setting that framework to to start the new year on a good trajectory with regards to where the money is flowing in and out of our our lives again we'll, we'll add some resources to the the mix there um thanks again ara for uh interviewing me it's been uh, amazing i've loved your questions and uh, it's been really fun thanks for having me scott hopefully everybody's enjoyed today's episode and uh, if you have please rate us uh where you are listening and i'll also put ara's contact details because she's got some fab articles out around music at the moment as well thanks for listening mm-hmm.